just outside. I'm getting my hair cut while catching up on email and drinking a coffee and writing a list and taking phone calls. And I was talking to this guy beside me who was telling me that ever since the pandemic, he only tries to do one, maybe two things a day and that it's totally changed his life. Has there ever been a bolder statement said by someone who clearly does not have kids? Just one or two things. That's it. Wow. You know, even when I had a fever of 104 with COVID, I did more than two things. I mean, that does sound like nirvana, though, right? But also, what would you do with all of the rest of your time? This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. It used to be chill, it's all up in smoke, I think I'm still fun, Panting's a joke, I was cool, oh yeah, now it's hard to be cool, oh yeah. Hey everybody, hello, this is Parenting is a Joke, I'm your host Ophira Eisenberg, and on this podcast we bring together stand-up comedians and creative people to talk about their work, their life, their careers, and what it's like to be a parent on top of that. Basically, how the fuck are they doing it? And today I'll be talking to Kurt Brownoler about his new comedy special and the emotional complexities of having baby-making sex. I gotta get you pregnant for my mom! <laughs> did January end yet? Please tell me it did. Because that was the longest January in years. I mean, the news was bleak. The weather was weird. The kids were still taking us down with all of their constant gross illnesses. And if you are thinking right now, oh, I don't understand what they're talking about. I had a wonderful January. It was seamless. Everything worked out. You know what I have to say to you? Shh. Quiet. Keep it to yourself. Okay? I have been solo parenting for the last almost 10 days because my husband went out of town and uh, I'm definitely overexhausted. Yep, I've added an adjective to exhausted. 
And listen, I always try to shove way too many things into one hour. My daily to-do lists are aspirational. So last Wednesday, I picked up my son from school, brought him home, and we had about an hour before we walked to his piano class. I know, I'm trying. I wanted to make chicken for dinner, but it takes a while, and I wanted to do some grocery shopping while he was at piano. So I shoved the chicken in the oven trying to finish it and some work before we got packed up, shoes on, jacket on, and were out the door for the 15-minute walk to piano class. And then right after I dropped him off, my brain went, Did you turn the oven off? Okay, I will admit, I never questioned this before I had a child. I always knew that I had turned it off, but not anymore. You know what happened, other than my brain just being full? I did, in fact, leave a toaster oven on in 2017 with a sweet potato in it. And I've just never trusted myself since. Okay, so there I am, waiting outside of piano class, and I think, uh... I got to do something about this. So I pull out my phone and I think, who can I text? I know other people in my building, but the person I knew the best and used to hang out with recently moved. So I just had to swallow my pride and start texting neighbors that I am, you know, hallway friends with and admit to them that I am an anxious and forgetful person who's losing their mind. The first one goes, no problem. I'll be home in 20 minutes. And I'm like, cool, cool. Yep. The whole building will be up in flames by then. Because, by the way, I have this crispy chicken method that works great, but it requires that the oven is at 425. Mm-hmm. So then I text my other neighbor across the hall, and she tells me she's still at the office, but her babysitter's there. And I ask if she can ask her babysitter to go to my apartment, name unknown, and look at my oven. I feel like a fool. And uh, I've also left my apartment door open, as in unlocked, which is another issue. Let's just shelve that, because in this case, it was a great asset. But that neighbor didn't reply to me, so I'm thinking, oh my God. And I'm racking my brain for another contact. I don't have any more numbers to text, so I email a neighbor down the hall that I kind of know. Definitely know that she's often at home. And I just emailed this, like, kind of casual, bouncy tone message of, like, hey, we should exchange phone numbers because maybe if you need something one day, I can help you. And maybe if I need something one day, you can help me. Like, I don't know, maybe I left the house and I think I left the oven on. And uh, by the way, (laughs) if you hear some fire alarms going on right now, just let me know. And then I looked at my watch. It was too late for me to run home and back in time to get my son from his class. So I just looked up at the sky and yelled, come on, because that is my version of prayer. Son came out of class. We raced home. And just as we got to the front door, three neighbors texted me that my oven was indeed off. Not to worry. One told me to have a glass of wine. Point taken. The chicken was pretty good. My son didn't like it because, quote, unquote, it was too spicy because there was one flake of pepper on it. But you know what? I made him eat it. And now everyone in my building is my bestie. (laughs) Speaking of besties, coming up, I'm going to be talking to fantastic comedian who I wish I hung out with more when he lived in New York, but I can still make him come on a podcast to talk to me. I'll be chatting with the hilarious Kurt Brown-Oler after the break. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, 
potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I am so excited for today's guest. He's a stand-up comedian, an actor, a writer. He just put out a great comedy special called Perfectly Stupid. It's Kurt Brownoler. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, Ophira. Nice nailing the last name. I really am proud of you. I have an odd name that always gets confused. Even people I've known for years say my name incorrectly. They say Ophira? Yes! For a while, I forget what version of Mac OS it was, kept auto-correcting my name to iPhoto. <laughs> so I was sending all these emails, and I didn't notice that it was like, love iPhoto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's yeah, beautiful. So that was me. Uh, so then I was like, I got to make sure I get his name correct, because I feel like it's important. You know? Yeah, thank you. All right, Kurt, could you tell us if you feel like it, the ages of your kids and if you Mm -hmm. wouldn't mind the names of your kids? Sure. It's Olive and Gus. Olive is almost six and Gus is three. Oh, my goodness. So I heard on this interview that you did recently that you were trying to be really strict with uh, screen time, which I... (laughs) <laughs> You're shaking your head. Oh, it's out, okay. the, it's out the window. <laughs> oh my God, that makes me feel so much better because I was strict in Brooklyn. I made the other Brooklyn parents go, that's too strict. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, we're not watching YouTube. We're crocheting. Like that's where I was trying to go. And yeah. uh, it's really And you were doing that during the pandemic too. And, uh, yes, exactly. We were pretty Just hardcore. making yourself crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And as they get older, they have more will. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, I've just slid off that path. It's tough. The thing that I'm struggling with now is like, because I've actually never defined TV as screen time. I define it as, you know, the the pad, you know, the iPad yes. is screen time. When I was growing up, it's like, you watch too much TV, like you're going to be a serial killer. And it's like, we all watched nothing but TV and everybody's okay. 
my kids watch less TV than I did, but easily. Um, but the iPad is something they use it at school. No, Olive goes to public school in LA, and they give them an iPad. I'm just so conflicted about it because, in on one hand, it's like she wants to do her homework, but she also wants to do her homework anyway. She's very academic. Aww. But then when I'm like, okay, it's time to take the iPad away, it's like I'm taking her heroin away. It is crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not how homework should be. This should not be homework. So I'm trying to figure out what's in my power to do. Like, can I make her not have an iPad at school? Does she always have to get paper homework? Is that going to alienate her? Like, that's those sort of questions. I don't know the answers to those. Although I did have this little moment with my son. He said he was crying. He was like, every single person in my class has a Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. No, that's already started with me, too. Yeah. And I was like, that's impossible. There's no way. It's impossible. That- yeah, there's no way. <laughs> I went right for facts. And then I found a kid that I was like, you know how you like your pal, Kyle? I just talked to his parents. He doesn't have an intent. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just providing <laughs> evidence to him that he's wrong, which is, I yeah. think, that's great parenting. The Nintendo Switch is going to be the next big fight we have, and I because she already has started on it. She's still five at this point, you know, and uh, and I was like, who has a Nintendo Switch? And it's this one kid who's like <laughs> also is always he's always like telling her about God and stuff. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. She's coming over like, do we believe in God? And I was like, I got an answer locked and loaded. Let's do this. What did you say? I said, I believe in a force that is in the world um, that is all encompassing and it is love. Uh, and that is my God. And uh, and she was like, all right, pass. <laughs> it was like two. <laughs> I got like too excited to talk to her about it. And she was just like, I'm moving on. <laughs> That's the key. That's the key. You're like, I'm so glad you asked. They're like, how do I get out of this? How do <laughs> yeah, I get exactly. out of this? <laughs> so, you know, and just thinking about where you grew up, Jersey Shore, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's where... I think I aspire to live now. Oh, yeah. I would love to go back to a part of the Jersey Shore where I could easily get to the city if I needed to. Like Atlantic Highlands, maybe. Because then you can take the ferry in. It's like 40 minutes on the ferry. Really? Oh, I didn't It's a high-speed ferry, and you can drink on it. There's a bar. (laughs) (laughs) You like surfing. Did you grow up surfing on the Jersey Shore? I did. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that was like my mom got me a, a board from a like a garage sale, and it was like a 1970s single fin shape that they had that someone had been using as a table (laughs) there was candle wax all over it and i had to like scrape candle wax off it for hours to get it to be able to be surfing it was such a great board and i I have no idea what ever happened to it i wish i had it Uh, with your, so of the surfer kind of mentality, with your kids, are you into Pete the Cat? My daughter's not into Pete the Cat, but I've tried because I think it, it looks pretty cool. Very surfer mentality. Yeah. No, our house is dominated at this moment by Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And then my youngest is, luckily, we're still on Bluey, which is just makes me so happy. Because <laughs> it's so like sweet. It's so beautiful. It's every single episode is like a piece of art. He goes back and forth between Bluey and then Blippy, which is the exact opposite of Bluey. I hate Blippy so much. <laughs> I want him to know. I, I hope I've been talking about it a lot of places and I want him to know how much I hate him. I hate his guts. 
<laughs> I deeply hate him. I know. And also, Blippi is making so much money. And that's the thing is that that is the reason I hate him. Everyone else who's making children's programming is somehow invested in the education of children. This piece of shit went out and was he was just like a comic. And then he was just like he saw a need on YouTube and he filled that need in order to make money. He doesn't know anything about how children's minds work. He's such a piece of shit. I cannot wait for him to hear it. I want him to find out. I want to physically fight. I have a whole bit about how I want to physically fight Blippi. And no one knows who Blippi is. And I keep doing the bit. One day, Madison Square Garden. I'm talking Showtime does boxing still, I believe. (laughs) We're doing it. I want to play a game with you. We're going to go back to the Pete the Cat mentality. Okay. Because in this game, I'm going to read an inspirational quote Great. And you're just going to tell me if it's from our beloved children's book slash TV show character, Pete the Cat. Okay. Or is it a quote from beloved, excellent dude, Keanu Reeves? Oh, I love this. Okay, great. Keanu Reeves. Everybody loves Keanu Reeves for good reason. That guy has surprised us. (laughs) He has surprised (laughs) us. He really has. It's so funny because he is who he is. And on anyone else, it would be obnoxious. Mm -hmm. But somehow... Keanu Reeves considers himself a philosopher, and we're all just like, <laughs> cool. it's good, man. Yeah, cool. <laughs> all right. So here's the first one. Mm-hmm. If you want to be cool, just be you. Oh, that's got to be Pete the Cat. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That is Pete the Cat. Nice lesson. So it's the artist, Jim Dean, who is the Pete the Cat originator. That is a cat that he rescued from a shelter. Oh, and Pete nice. would sit on his lap while he painted. I love this. It's beautiful. All right. Life is good when you have a good sandwich. I'm going to repeat the cat again. Good guess, but that is beloved Keanu. <laughs> also very true. Very, very true. Can you guess what Keanu's favorite sandwich is? I'm going to guess my favorite sandwich so that we can have a connection, which would be a number seven from Jersey Mike's. <laughs> What is a number seven from Jersey Mike's? It's just turkey and provolone. Mike's way, baby. And what is Mike's way? It's olive oil and uh, vinegar and mm. salt, pepper, oregano, and lettuce, tomato, and onions. White onions. Awesome. It's great. Yeah, it's man. delightful. Okay, so Keanu's is toasted, crunchy peanut butter with honey. Okay, I, I'm into that. That's yep. easy. That's an easy one to make. I've definitely eaten that, especially yep. when I need to take Advil in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> That's my go-to so my stomach doesn't hurt. <laughs> All right. It's cool to color outside the lines. Gotta be Pete the Cat. I mean, if this is Keanu. Yeah, that's Pete the Cat. You're giving me some softballs. All right, all right. The best way to change is to make mistakes. You can learn from your mistakes and then keep moving on. That's got to be Keanu. That is Keanu. Why? Yes. Why did you? Because it's too complicated for Pete the Cat. <laughs> Keanu was expelled from three high schools and then he dropped out of the fourth. Really? Yeah. And then he was just like, "Gotta, I'm Foreman Dog Star, and that's how I'm gonna <laughs> be successful." That's right, one hundred percent. Okay, the simple act of paying attention can take you a long way. I think that's also Keanu. Yes. Yes. He has a lot of philosophy about being present in life. It's not like Mm -hmm. a a quotable from a dialogue or anything. That's just what he says. Yeah. Fun fact, 
Alice Cooper once babysat him as a child. He's a Nepo baby. <laughs> yeah. His mother was a costume designer for like rock and roll. All right. <laughs> last one. The time is always right to do what is right. That's got to be Pete the Cat. Yes. Yes. I only got one wrong. You can tell what is human and what is cat very easily. <laughs> I found out a weird similarity between us that when you were making your way uh, in the stand-up world, you worked in IT. You worked fixing computers. Yes. And just like me, did not know how to do that. Not at all. I had an English and a philosophy degree. Uh, Where did you fix computers? In New York. Yeah, I had a cultural anthropology degree. I just used the internet. Yeah. When I was working, it was before Google, so you would just Yahoo all the answers. And it was like, oh, no one understands that literally anything you have a problem with, you could just type it in, and then someone's already figured it out for you. Why or how did you get your job? Oh, man. I mean, it's a story. My first job in New York was at a bakery, and it was great, but I couldn't pay my rent on what I was making. Mm -hmm. And so I had to quit the bakery, and I got a job at a a creative production company that made commercials. And I was their office manager, being paid very, very, very little. And then I started doing comedy during that time. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to go into comedy. And like there was a part of me that was like, this job is too close to... And I should have stayed in this job. I was like, (laughs) this... I 100% should have stayed in this job. I probably would have been much better off. Um, I was like, this job is too close to what I actually want to do, but it's not what I want to do. So I can see myself very easily just continuing down this and then never being like a in comedy. Right. But I would be like a creative, a really creative producer or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is absolutely fantastic, but just not the path that I wanted to go. And honestly, I should have gone that path. So I quit. <laughs> At first, I quit because I saw the movie Fight Club, and I hated the movie Fight Club so much. So ah. it was David Fincher's first movie. I hated the movie so much <laughs> because I was a definitely I was like I consider myself a bit of a punk rocker, and uh, <laughs> and I was like, this movie is confusing revolution with machismo, and I was very <laughs> angry about it. I marched right in the next day, and I was like, I can no longer work making commercials because he. this is a commercial director who made this movie. I mean, I was fired up. I was wow. 22, 23. So I was like, I'm quitting. I'm going to become a teacher. Went immediately the next day down to get registered to be a substitute teacher for New York City school system. Went through the whole thing. They're like, we can place you. Like, this is going to be great. We just have to wait for your uh, fingerprints to come back. And I was like, how long does that take? And they're like, uh, six months. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I just quit my job. I can't wait six months for fingerprints to be approved. Um, And so then I was like, okay, I have to get another job. And then I was like, I should just get a job I don't care about and that I hate so that I have to be successful in comedy. Wow, that is so strategic. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was just like, I should just do this so that I have to get out of here. Yeah. And it was at a temp agency I got hired because right at the end of my uh, resume, it said that I knew HTML, which I was like lying about because you just always put it at the end of your in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, always put HTML at the bottom of your resume. Totally. 
And, uh, and they're like, I see you know HTML. I was like, mm-hmm. They're like, do you want to be our like in-house web producer? And I was like, I would love to. What that meant was that they needed a website. I convinced them to just hire another company to make their website. And that's all I did. Oh, my God. And then after that, they're like, do you want to just stay on and fix our computers? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I just slowly started working less and less days. I was just like, I can only work four days a week. And they're like, okay. And I was like, then I can only work three days a week. And I got it down to where I was working two days a week, still had health insurance. But then every August, I would be like, I have to leave for a month to go to Edinburgh. And they were like, (laughs) you're fired. You can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think my days were numbered when I would lie about just trying to audition. I'd be like, hey, I'm just going to grab a bagel. And I would return like four hours later with full makeup. (laughs) (laughs) With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I know that you also talk about your dad and how he gave you a, I think you say, confusing blueprint for fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did your relationship with your dad inform how you wanted to father? Um, Just by doing the opposite, like just having an example <laughs> of what not to do is pretty much the honest, honest, straight up answer. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything that you're like, but I would do that? The one thing I will give my dad, he's lived a very... Uh, if he wanted to do something, he just did it. That was his life, you know? Mm. And so there's something to be said, I, I guess, for that. A lot of people just sit on that and they feel very unfulfilled and they get bitter. Exactly. That's how you get four wives. You know, you just go for it. <laughs> Every time you get fed up and you go for it over and over again. Um, but, uh, but he seems happy. <laughs> 
who's number one? <laughs> yeah, you are. You clearly are. <laughs> Uh, so you were raised by your mother, who was single mm. mother, who worked as a pediatric nurse. Yes, she did. Intense. I just was listening to you talk about this and how she would bring you to work a lot of the time because I did wonder, how did she have a small child with those kind of hours? Yeah, I would go to work with her a lot. And so I kind of grew up on the pediatric floor of Mammoth Medical Center in Long Branch, New Jersey. You know, like they have a little room that's called the playroom. And then there's this yeah. woman called the play lady there. <laughs> I called her the play lady. Everybody called her the play lady. Oh. The, the person has like a master's or something, but right. yeah, everybody calls her the play lady. She taught me how to play gin rummy. I would hold kids while they got shots. Like I would make friends with the kids on the floor and just like play soccer in the halls and stuff. Cause you know, it's just kids all around in the eighties. You could still smoke in hospitals and all the nurses and all the doctors and like parents were all smoking all the time on the floor as well, which was so crazy. I was just talking about how I remembered that my pediatric doctor that we would just go into his office. He had a desk, but he would smoke during our yeah. appointments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So, I mean, is there at all an element of that time? I mean, I imagine because you're the kid that is not sick where you're cheering up other kids and you're playing with them. Have you ever looked at that and thought, oh, that was the first seeds of me doing entertainment, comedy, whatever? Yes. And I did not realize it until, honestly, after this special had come out and I was talking about it on podcasts. My mom definitely brought me to lighten the mood. And mm -hmm. I was like, and I understood that that was my role, even as like a five or six year old. These kids don't have it going so great. I'm going to come in and just be like, yeah, you were like a tiny patch Adams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's interesting is I see that in my daughter. Uh, like Olive is very much like that, like walks into a room playing the trumpet, just marching around like, hey, we're having a party. Like always, always. I've got songs. I've got yeah. ideas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. And then you have a lot of siblings in a like a wide range of ages, too. I'm one of eight. Is that true? Yes. I'm one of eight. I always have to do it in my head. And the only way that I remember is that my brother made a joke years ago, 20 years ago when my sisters were born, that he wanted dad to have one more kid so one of them would be seven of nine, which is a Star Trek joke from the early 90s that my brother will really appreciate. I know everything about your brother right now. Everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we... There's eight kids. My eldest sister, I think, is now 61. And my youngest two sisters are 20. <laughs> but then I was listening that you found out, I think this is right, through a series of drunken conversations with your brother, yeah. that you also have a half-sibling? Yes, through my mom. This was like a family secret or like, you know, just something my mom had never spoken about because she uh, got pregnant when she was 16 and, you know, this was pre-Roe versus Wade. And so she was sent away to what's called a maternity home that was run by the Catholic Church. And I've done a lot of research about maternity homes. They were terrifying places. Young girls, as some as, age, as young as 12, um, were sent there. They didn't know any of the other girls who were there. Their family wasn't there. It was run by nuns who they themselves had never gone through childbirth. Uh, right. They were not told about, like, what was happening to their bodies. It's so crazy that this was okay. It was insane. And then very oftentimes these women, these girls, 
would give birth and then the baby's just taken away. And so that's what happened to my mom. And she never told anybody. And the only reason that my brother knew was because he asked my dad, because I was born at home. And he'd asked my dad, like, how was Barbara able to have Kurt at home? I thought you couldn't have your, your first kid at home. And my dad was like, just like, oh, she had a kid before. And then I, <laughs> my brother was like, so dad said this crazy thing to me. And I was like, that's not true. And then it took me a really long time to like, get up the nerve to ask my mom and then I was having lunch with her and I was just like did you have a kid before me she's like oh yeah yeah and I was like what why haven't you told me she's like I've never told anyone and it wasn't until after she died that I started to look for him and no mm -hmm. one knew like her brothers who she lived with at the time they didn't know her best friend was unaware like literally no one spoke of it and because in this way no one spoke of it everyone erased it from their memory yeah. No one remembered. It did not exist. Yeah. Are you putting any more research towards that? Oh, yeah. No, I found out he actually died, uh, I mean, at this point, like 12, 18 years ago. But oh, I wow. am close now with uh, my, my nieces. I have two nieces. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that your mom died. I share this with you as well. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, we have been on this podcast as we talk to a lot of comics there's a lot of grieving over quite recent deaths of parents. On a comedy show, which an old boyfriend of mine said, the best material you're ever going to have is from death. We didn't last, but I liked that guy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my kid's life has not been with my mother in the picture. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think how great it would be to go to her for parenting advice, because I don't have that thing. Oh, man. Where do you go for your parenting advice? Or do you go anywhere? Uh, re I read books. Yeah. And the craziest part is that, yeah, we, we found out that my wife was pregnant the day after my mom's funeral. And we had <sighs> been, and that was such a kicker just because we had been trying. She was sick for about eight months before she died. So for the whole eight months, we were trying to just give her like one piece of positive news because that kind of like pushed up our schedule for having a kid. Yeah. And then it didn't happen until after she she passed. So then, you know, and then we have I have this kid and my mom was literally a pediatric nurse. She just did nothing but take care of little kids. That's right. Of course. Yeah. And so she had so much information for me that I never got. I was just going to say something that is totally off color, and I hope you... Uh, Please. That would have have to have been some very emotionally interesting sex you had. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. We actually, my wife and I wrote a pilot about it. <laughs> about just like, I got to get you pregnant for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find out the day after her funeral. Yes, the day after. It was... At her actual like party or whatever, after the funeral itself, we had a, all these people back to a house we had rented in Asbury Park. And Lauren had like a glass of wine and was just wasted, like, like couldn't stand up. I just brought her upstairs and was like, I put her to bed at like 6 p.m. or something. Yeah. Um, we woke up in the morning and I was like, what happened yesterday? I don't think anybody roofied you at my mom's funeral. Right. Not that kind of crowd. <laughs> uh, and uh, so then we like got a pregnancy test and it was like, boom. And I was like, are you kidding me? Did it feel more meaningful? Like, did you have a panic attack? <laughs> I have a photograph of it. 
actually from that like kitchen of like Lauren in a in a chair, like looking at it. Um, because I was like, this is such a crazy moment. Like mom dies, and then it was like three days of like just friends coming in and just like drinking way too much. And then we had the funeral. Then we find out Lauren's pregnant. And then that day, we had to go because we had been living in New Jersey for months at the time to help take care of her. And right. so we had to get back to Los Angeles to like start trying to figure out how to make a living again. Oh, my uh, right. And so it was like that day had to like go get the death certificate get the will from the lawyer and then pack up all our stuff in a car and just when then the next day we started driving back to Los Angeles. So it was like, find out all that stuff. And now you're on a cross country trip back home with a dog in the car. Dog and a pregnant lady. Yeah. And a, a lot of question marks just <laughs> yeah, looming exactly. on that road. <laughs> yeah. And then you go back to LA and you know, you and your wife are both performers. So what is the push and pull in your life about who is going for this job and who can do this, the logistical back and forth. Usually it's that acting jobs, whoever gets an acting job that takes precedent. Like, you know, going on the road is easy to do. That could just be all the time. You know, I could be out of, sure. out of town every weekend. So I pulled that back to like, I try and do that once a month. Okay. And then we just try and get work in Los Angeles, which means just like going on this never ending <laughs> conveyor belt of development which is soul crushing and demeaning on a level that is that honestly i thought that comedy was soul crushing uh with the level of rejection but wait for development is even <laughs> is like a, a, the comedy times one billion development is just a long slow push of a knife into your throat <laughs> well with someone going like you're the best we love you <laughs> We love all your work as they're slowly There's pushing a knife into your throat. you don't do that we don't love. Uh, do you ever uh, do rock, paper, scissors to, and whoever loses has to become like a tax auditor? <laughs> Lauren has never had this like fear, f fear talk with herself. And I have, I'm just like, what else can I do? What right. else? Cause this is killing me. <laughs> It's like terrifying in the fact that like I don't have any other skills. I can't. There's nothing I could do. Like computers have far outpaced what I know about them. I <laughs> can't too. go back to oh. IT. <laughs> no. So you put together a brand new comedy special. It's like, I don't know, training for a marathon. Like you have to go to the gym all the time to get yourself in shape for yeah. that. And you need to run these jokes. And, you know, you have these two small kids at home for part of it. There also also was a global pandemic where there was yes. not a lot of stage time. How did you do it? Did you do Zoom shows? Yeah, we did, I did Zoom shows, but they're, nah, they don't help in any way, shape, or form. But True. So I had the hour close to ready before the pandemic, and I had been trying to sell it. And then that never happened. And then the pandemic hit. And I then found a, a way to do it with 800-pound gorilla and Point Grey. And I just picked a date. It was like after everyone had been vaccinated for a couple months and it was before the Omicron wave came. So yes. it was like that kind of like happy time in the summer where people were like, well, we're finished with COVID. It's so fantastic. <laughs> and we didn't know what was happening in like September. And so we shot it in that August. I was supposed to have three weekends to prep. But then one weekend I had to cancel. And so 
I literally just had two weekends to prep. So it was one weekend in Portland and one weekend in Philadelphia. Wow. And then I did a couple shows in LA. And the only way I was able to do it was because Jonah Ray Rodriguez, my director, he came with me and just gave me notes on every single show. And that just made the special so much better. And what was really important to both of us was getting the kind of emotional core of the of the hour correct. What do you mean by the emotional core? And in it, I talk about, you know, how we found out that Lauren was pregnant the day after my mom's funeral and how I'd been raising, you know, these kids without like the person who raised me. So there's this like, moment that, you know, I'm talking about when my mom was dying and me writing this joke and her laughing at it and how Olive laughed at this joke that she wrote for herself. And so it's like kind of like connecting these like two mm. little like things through comedy. And it was just finding that like fine line of how to make it so that it's an emotional moment, but not make it maudlin and not make it cheesy in any way, shape or form and undercut it with comedy constantly. That's a craft. Yeah, it's really hard. And it was Lauren who really helped me. It was just weird. I was just telling this one story and she was like, that's how you that's what you do after that emotional moment. And I was like, what? Oh, right. So I do give it up to my wife, Lauren Cook, for finding the thing that brings the laugh after kind of like the the most serious moment of the special. You talk about Olive's joke. Yeah. Can you tell it? Oh, yeah. Her joke, her first joke that she ever wrote was, um, why is six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine are going to eat them. <laughs> Oh, that's so adorable. <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> that is the best. Kurt, you're the best. Everyone, please watch Kurt's comedy special, Perfectly Stupid. He also has a hilarious podcast where you make fun of absurdist news that is real from around the world called Bananas. Thanks for uh, taking time out of being a dad to two kids. Thank you. This was wonderful. You can watch Kurt's new special, Perfectly Stupid, on YouTube, and I recommend it. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It makes us so happy. It's very helpful, too. I appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, at Parenting is a Joke, and on Twitter, at Parenting Joke. And hey, guess what? We have a monthly newsletter. Go to our website, parentingisajokepod.com, to sign up. Hey, come see me live. I'm on Off-Broadway. I love that combination of words. I'm doing a solo show, Leaving a Mark, a comedy about scars. It's funny, people. It's at the Soho Playhouse for three weekends in February. So you can come February 9th, 10th, 11th, 17th, or 18th. Uh, I'm happy to say that there are limited tickets available. So listeners of this podcast, you can get a deal. That's right. Use the code SCARTALK for a discount ticket. All the information is at OphiraEisberg.com or SohoPlayhouse.com. And you can follow me on the socials at Ophira E. Our episode is produced by me and Julie Smith-Clem. Our editor is Nina Porzuki. Our sound designer is Tina Toby-Mack. Our game writer is Emily Winter. Our theme song and music is by Adir Amram and The Experience. Special thanks to all of the engineers at CityVox. And we'll leave you with Kurt and I musing about Valentine's Day. I do remember, you know, in elementary school, uh, somehow I think I'm going to put this at grade two or something. Mm -hmm. We would do Valentine's, but it's not like all the kids had to give. There was no, like, structure, like, oh, we have There's to make no sure rules. this is all equal. Yeah. It was just like, some kids got a lot of Valentines and some kids got two. <laughs>
I know. It was so crazy that there was never... All the teachers were like, well, that's how it ha- That's how it works. <laughs> how it is. Some yeah. kids are more popular, I guess. They should exactly. learn it now. Like, well, you're not the prettiest, so what are you going to do? Because this is Olive's first, you know, the first year in public school, so yeah, uh, I don't, I don't look forward to it. I would like maybe to give her little business cards that say, "My father has refused <laughs> to engage in <laughs> Valentine's Day." With a heart. Yeah. You are worth more than a valentine. Uh, Please find your worth elsewhere.